everyone. Welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. Pastor Joe here, and we have a great episode for you today. We launched our new summer sermon series called Love Your Neighbor, where we're going to be hearing throughout the summer stories of people in our community who understand, and more importantly, who uh, live out the commandment that Jesus gives us to love neighbor. And so uh, today we draw from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. Um, the story, the parable of the Good Samaritan, as we ground ourselves in this idea of love God and love neighbor. Check it out. We hope you enjoy. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Let's make the most of this beautiful day since we're together, might as well say, would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Many of you will remember this as the opening sequence to the TV show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, where for over 30 years, Mr. Rogers would enter onto the scene, trading out his blazer for his cardigan, singing this tune, inviting the children and families from around the world to join him for whatever was in store for us that day. I was one of that um, big viewership. My family and I, I remember sitting in front of the TV every weekday growing up, learning lessons about life and friendship and heartbreak and love, following the adventures of Mr. Rogers and his friends. And today we launch into an adventure of our own, this summer series, Love Your Neighbor. And if you remember last summer, around this time, we were experiencing life both individually and as a church in ways we could have never imagined or prepared for. We were physically isolating and isolated from one another. We were entering into the fourth month of quarantine We didn't have the vaccine yet. We didn't know how bad the impact of COVID-19 would be and how long we would experience it. And in the midst of all of that, through all the hardships and challenges, through all the things that got in our way, we still kept our faith. Amen, someone. We, we trusted that God was faithful. We continued living into our purpose of becoming Christ in the community through worship and small groups and discipleship and service, all virtually. And we found the joy in new ways of connecting. And we remember that through it all, God was with us and for us, that God was and is present with us now. And as we were thinking about this summer, I was reminded of the story in Scripture from Mark's Gospel when Jesus is approached by a teacher of the law who asks him, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? And Jesus responds, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
And so having spent last summer exploring our relationship with God, this summer we're going to be hearing stories of how the very people in our community understand, and more importantly, how the people in our community live out this commandment to love your neighbor. Last summer, love God. This summer, love neighbor. And today I just simply want to lay the foundation and build the framework for how we will navigate this summer. We get to our text. It's uh, Luke 10, the story that is now commonly known as the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I want to remind you this, that the parables were designed not to give right or wrong answers. They were a literary tool, in this case, used by Jesus to challenge an understanding of one's faith, one's identity, one's view of the world. Dr. Amy Jill Levine says that these parables of Jesus were designed to afflict the comfortable. She says, therefore, if we hear a parable and think, I really like that, or worse, fail to take any challenge, we are not listening well enough. And so at first read, we might hear this text and find ourselves identifying with the Samaritan to, to hear this parable as a reminder to do good for those in need. But I think that's too easy. I, it's not wrong, right? Please do good for those in need. But, but this doesn't get to the core of what I think this parable is saying to us this morning. The hope, I think, is to find where we are afflicted and to reimagine the ways that we see the world. And so perhaps this title, the parable of the good Samaritan is already raising some, be- I'm not raising, be- <laughs> raising some flags, ringing some bells. Perhaps this parable of the good Samaritan is already raising some flags for you, right? The des- Designation that this text would be the parable of the good Samaritan, it shouldn't cause you to pause and ask yourselves why the Samaritan is good. We know that, right? There's, the Samaritan came when others didn't to help a man left on the side of the road half dead. A different question might be why is the descriptor good? Can you imagine today If we use the label good with any identity, any identifier of a grouping of people, what would that say? For example, she's a good Korean, as opposed to the other Koreans who are evil and wanting to stockpile nuclear weapons. He's a good immigrant, opposed to those who are here to take jobs or on the welfare system. They are good blanks as opposed to the assumptions, the prejudices, the biases that we might have of a grouping of people that we would need to describe the Samaritan as good. For Jesus, speaking to this first century Jewish audience, he was describing the Samaritans as a group of people, not as oppressed and marginalized and outcasts of society. See, Samaritans were the ones who were doing the oppressing. 
In stories throughout scripture and in the early writings of early historians, there's examples of violence and hate, raids and political manipulation. And so as his audience hears the story unfold, as they hear about this man attacked and left for dead, as they hear how the priest and the Levite walk on by, their expectation is not to hear that a Samaritan came next. The descriptor good is to emphasize and reiterate how hated the Samaritans were, so much so that a good Samaritan would have been an anomaly. But let's remember this as well. This parable was in response to a lawyer who stood to test Jesus. Teacher, he says. And already we find that this lawyer himself is framed in a negative lens as well. See, in Luke's gospel, the designation teacher is reserved for people calling Jesus teacher when they do not fully understand or respect who Jesus is. And this word test, it's the exact thing that the disciples pray to avoid. Lead us not into temptation, or more literally, do not bring us to the test. It's also what Satan does in chapter 4 when Jesus is in the wilderness being tested before the start of his ministry. Though already the lawyer is framed in this negative lens. And I think the temptation is for us to judge this lawyer, to vilify him for being part of the religious elite, for being educated and in positions of power. But if I'm honest, this lawyer is a character that I identify with most from our text. In fact, I can remember asking the same exact question, worded slightly differently, but asking it nonetheless. Not once, but often throughout my faith journey, throughout my life. What must I do to inherit eternal life? How do I get to heaven? What must I do to get to heaven? And like the lawyer, I wanted a checklist a precise plan from A all the way to Z that will ensure my salvation for my soul. And even when I knew the answer, love the Lord with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself, even when I knew the answer, it was not enough. I needed it to be more exact, more specific. And so we ask, who is my neighbor? Or more specifically, who is not my neighbor? Who can I get away with not being around, not caring for, not loving? Who does not have to be my neighbor? And here's what I love about this text. See, Jesus, he, he doesn't answer the question that the lawyer initially asked. He didn't answer the who part of the question. Instead, he challenged the lawyer with the what and with the how. You asked who is your neighbor? Let me show you. I'll show you what a neighbor does 
Now go and do likewise. Let me show you what a neighbor does. Go and do likewise. I remember when I was a chaplain in New Jersey, I, I was the only chaplain on call one night, and I was, I was trying to get some sleep in that small dorm room that they provided that the hospital set up for us, and, and then I got this page uh, to, to come down to the emergency department. And so I, I quickly freshened up. I, I knelt beside my, I knelt by my bed uh, uh, in prayer as I did before every call, and then I made my way down to the ground floor where the emergency department was. I stopped by the nurse's uh, station to get some information, and, and he told me that the family wanted me to baptize their infant child who would not make it through the night. I looked at this nurse, my heart breaking. And I said, you got to tell them that I can't do it. I'm not authorized by my church to baptize anyone. I'm not ordained. I remember looking the nurse in the eyes, giving him a silent nod, and I slowly turned and made my way back to the room that long and especially lonely walk that night. Chaplain! Chaplain! And I turned as the nurse was running towards me, and in more colorful words that I'm about to share with you right now, he said, Chaplain, that's baloney. Right, you can insert other words there, but he said, Chaplain, that's baloney. He said, no one cares that you're not authorized or ordained. No one even knows what that means. And then he said, I'm not even Christian. I'm not even religious, but I got to ask you, what would Jesus do? That night I performed my first baptism. And that moment has stuck with me. It has actually haunted me for the duration of my ministry ever since because I, I asked myself, would I have actually allowed rules and regulations to prevent me from providing grace for this child and this family to acknowledge the grace that already existed and the answer would have been yes. I walked away. I was so convinced of being in the right that I walked away. What would Jesus do? I think Jesus would remind us that even in our enemies, we can find one who shows mercy. I think Jesus would remind us that even when we try to limit God's grace by rules, that God is already present in the world. And I think that Jesus would remind us that love is not part of a checklist to inherit eternal life, but rather love is a way of living now, living today to address the immediate concerns of the world and that we are to go and do likewise. I'm excited for this summer as we hear the stories of people in our community who are doing just that, who are living out their love, who are expressing and sharing that love of God to those that we might want to keep marginalized, that we might want to keep oppressed. We're going to get to hear some of those stories, and I'm grateful for the ways that God is already at work despite 
the times when we try to keep God boxed in. And so may we have the emboldened spirits to step out in faith, to remember that our love doesn't keep us confined, does not keep us separated and away from those around us. But when we hear love God and love neighbor, it's an action. It's a call to action, to go and to do. Because our faith informs us. Because our faith challenges us. And because our faith reminds us that we who are comfortable need to be afflicted sometimes that we might go into the world sharing that love, showing that love, doing that love. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for this time together, for the community gathered here and around the world as we are united by your spirit and united by your love. Remind us that the love does not stay with us, but that is called to be expressed out in the world, that that love is to be shared with those outside of our own comfort zones, that we are to not only love you, but to love our neighbor, and that doing so brings brings us into community, brings us into belovedness, brings us into your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Move in us and through us that we too would move, that we would go and that we would do. It is in Christ's holy name that we pray. Amen. All right, so that was our first sermon in our Love Your Neighbor series. I'm excited for the rest of the summer where from here on out, we'll be hearing stories and conversations with people in our community, both local and global, um, of people who are doing this loving thing, who are loving our neighbors, who are embodying uh, what it means to love neighbor. And so uh, it's going to be some great conversations throughout the summer. Um, we hope you enjoyed today's episode and uh, stick around for our next one coming up later this week. It'll be a conversation that we have Uh, with Reverend April Casperson. So uh, have a wonderful, wonderful week. And until next time. 